Hello, and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Matt. Once again, with these serious type shows, I don't start off with the silly music that I do with movie and music reviews. This one is another one where I'm just going to jump right into it. I've discussed before how loneliness is a choice. The times that stick out in my head where I have felt lonely are certainly not pleasant memories. I associate loneliness with boredom and depression. I haven't said I'm bored in years, perhaps even a couple decades. To say that I'm bored is also to say that I'm resigned to being lonely and sad. I certainly have enough hobbies to occupy times where it is just me. Most often, when I have the time to engage in my hobbies are indeed happy times. Saying all this doesn't hide the fact that there remains to be a few hours a week where I feel lonely. Once all the chores are done, time is spent with my kids, phone conversations have happened, I've gone for walks, played music, listened to music, done Zuba, and ate food that I was looking forward to, the sadness just creeps back in. I remember at the age of 20, my friend Alan, who was also 20 at the time, had a conversation about how we worried about being alone for the rest of our lives. It wasn't even a worry, it was a legitimate fear. We were afraid. Little did we know what was in store for us. And now I know I've had times since where I wished to be away from others for the purpose of resting and just recharging. I'm wiser now and recognize that loneliness only presents itself when I allow it to. And I really do believe that. Also this week, when I was preparing for this episode, I uh, thought of Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce was a comedian, probably the first one, first comedian in, the first modern comedian, if you will. He was the one that inspired George Carlin, Richard Pryor. And also he was one of uh, the comedians and since World War II, at least, that was arrested many times on obscenity charges. And the stuff that he said that was obscene uh, by today's standards would be laughable. But comedian Lenny Bruce appeared on the Steve Allen Show in April of 1959 and performed an original song called All Alone. If you want to see this, you can find it on YouTube. It is interesting. I say it as a song, it's a part of comedy act, spoken word, and singing. The performance is a t- it's tongue-in-cheek as he speaks of his frustration of his the love he was in at the time. And his uh, girlfriend was a woman by the name of Honey, I believe, a former stripper. And their relationship was tumultuous, uh, to say the least. But anyway, he speaks of his frustration of this love and how it'd be better if he could be all alone. The funniest line is when he says, sometimes I wish that she were dead, but it would take her two hours to get ready. And you can hear a laugh in the audience from that one. I even chuckled a little bit. There's a sadness as he performs this, and there's a sense he doesn't want to leave her. As he sings the last line, I'll be rich, but so all alone. One is left feeling that this is not at all what he he wants. 
He doesn't want to be alone. Lenny Bruce died of a drug overdose seven years after this performance. He was only 41. His drug use caused him to lose friends, and many nightclubs refused to hire him due to his addiction. Perhaps his sarcastic wish of being alone came true in the end. Being found dead in your bathroom in your Hollywood Hills home really speaks true to the song that he performed. Leading to this, a man who dies of a drug overdose in his bathroom in his Hollywood Hills home makes me think of Lane Staley. Lane Staley was the singer of Alice in Chains, and he struggled for years, years with addiction, to the point that it affected the band's ability to tour and record. And what's interesting is the music that was produced by Alice in Chains during this time was really, really good. But this is the story of Lane Staley's death. The passing of Lane Staley was discovered when his former manager, Susan Silver, was informed that no money had been withdrawn from the singer's bank account in two weeks on April 19, 2002, which arose as suspicions around Stanley's current status. Worried for the musician, Silver contacted his mother, Nancy McCollum, who previously called 911 after not hearing from her son in two weeks. In order to find out what really happened to the Alice in Chains singer, the police went to his house only to find his body partially decomposed and weighing only 86 pounds. The autopsy and toxicology report on Staley's body revealed that he unfortunately passed away because of a mixture of heroin and cocaine, widely known as a speedball, two weeks before his body was found on April 5th, 2002. So what that means is he died on April 5th, uh, sorry, he died on April 5th, 2002, and his body was found on April 19th, two weeks to the day. I mean, that's sad. That's sad. But if you know the full story, he shunned people away, didn't want their help, went through rehab a bunch of times, purposely wouldn't answer the phone, purposely wouldn't answer knocks on his door. And there you go. It took money not going out of his bank account or going into his bank account for somebody to notice that something might be amiss. Two weeks in the lack of bank activity that led people to discover him. What Lane Staley didn't have is he didn't have his kerosene lamp lit. What I mean by that is the story of Ray Phillips. But before I get into the story of Ray Phillips, it did make me wonder, the Lane Staley death story made me wonder, if I died unexpectedly in my apartment, how long would it take for others to notice? Perhaps this is the true test of loneliness. If you die unexpectedly, how long will it take? for somebody to discover that you're dead. 
With me, if it happened on a Saturday night, I wouldn't show up to Zumba class on Sunday morning. Would there be enough worry then? My kids and ex-wife would notice on Sunday I wasn't responding to my text messages. I text them every day. Would this be enough if they didn't notice that I wasn't returning or providing text messages? I obviously wouldn't make it to work on Monday morning. How much would they worry after they didn't receive a call, phone call from me and that I also didn't return my calls? I'm guessing by noontime on Monday, after work and my kids hadn't heard from me, that uh, someone would call in for a welfare check. This means I could go a max of 36 hours, a day and a half, uh, of my unexpected demise being acknowledged. Not bad. I'd say that's better than two weeks. Even if we choose to be alone, people notice and care. This means it takes a lot of effort to be alone. It really does. And this reminds me of the story of the Hermit of Manana. As I mentioned previously about Lane Staley not having his kerosene lamp lit. Who was Captain Ray Phillips? He was born in 1892, received a BA degree in agriculture from the University of Maine, and headed straight to New York City to make a small fortune in wholesale groceries. Living in Manhattan, he supported his aging mother in an apartment on 11th Avenue. When World War I broke out, he joined the U.S. Army without hesitation. He became a captain and led his troops bravely in battles through Europe. War is hell, and when he returned to his job in New York City, he had a whole new outlook on life. He had fought for freedom, but was he free? The hustle and bustle of city life that he once loved, he now found stressful. He found solace in sailing his small sloop on Long Island Sound. It was one of those sailing trips that he decided just to sail where the wind took him and never look back. A true adventurer. Captain Ray Phillips was familiar with Monhegan Island where he, when he landed there in 1928. He had been there before in 1924, and he knew his way around. For two summers, he lived on a small sailboat and rented a cottage for the winters. There was a Coast Guard station on the other side of Manana and a small fog house. The Coast Guard ships would pull into the tiny Monhegan Harbor, taking up a lot of space. The lobstermen and fishermen in their relatively small boats always had to work around the obstacles of those huge ships. In his third year, Ray purchased seven-tenths of Manana Island for $75 hard to believe, and never allowed the Coast Guard to park their boats on that side of the island again. He moved on to Manana and commenced building a cottage with driftwood that he found. Monhegan residents also donated their surplus building materials to him. Ray built an independent life for himself on Manana. He would walk along the island, gazing out to the sea, contented with his life. He brought a herd of sheep over to the island and a very large goose. They became like family. He bottle-fed one of the Babel sheep that had been abandoned by its mother, and it imprinted on him. 
He named her Eva. She followed him around very much like a pet dog would. His goose also followed him everywhere. People would ask him what's his ducks, what his duck's name was, and he quickly said Donald Duck. Ray would just smile, knowing they had no clue it was a goose. Ray went over to Monhegan every day with Eva in his rowboat. He picked up his mail at the post office and got books to read from the library. He was an avid reader and read nearly every book in the library. He looked forward to getting his Wall Street Journal in the mail and enjoyed his subscription to the Reader's Digest. His veteran's pension and Social Security checks were mailed to him every month. Ray often got letters from Taurus that he met, and he answered every one of them. He would turn the envelope inside out and send his response back in the same envelope. Ray was a smart recycler long before it was savvy. Captain Ray Phillips was not a recluse, and he wasn't insane. He spent hours talking to people. When asked if there was anything that he regretted, he quickly replied, only that he wished that he had taken that sailing trip five years sooner. The sailing trip that uh, blew him to Monhegan Island. Although he lived a solitary life, he was interested in the rest of the world. He had a transistor radio that he turned on only to listen to the news. He enjoyed people to, to a certain extent. He once said he thought, the mustard gas that he was exposed to in World War I changed his social skills. He found large groups of people difficult to interact with. When he felt overwhelmed by the Monhegan Taurus, he would break into sheep talk and start baaing. People would back away slowly and leave him alone. It worked, and he would smile, that little smile. Surely they knew he was insane, right? <laughs> At one time, there was a visiting pastor who came to Monhegan Island for a day to save the heathen souls that lived there. Ray happened to be on the dock when the pastor saw him. He went straight over to the scruffy-looking Ray, telling him he was going to save his soul. Ray looked at him for a moment and said, Well, that's great, but you can come over to my island and help me put up my roof first. The pastor said he didn't have time for that, and Ray said, Well, that's too bad. I guess you don't have time to save my soul either. He got into his rowboat and headed back to Manana with Eva, Eva in the stern. Main accent coming out there. Captain Ray Phillips went to the mainland Port Clyde twice a year. He made the journey every June September to get his hair cut and beard trim. He would also enjoy the luxury of staying overnight and sleeping in a real bed. That was the longest he could ever stay away from his beloved home and pets. As a hermit, he still cared somewhat about his parents and was once asked about taking a wife. He said he would have a wife, but he didn't think he could ever find a woman who could survive the winters out there. The main winters were brutal on those islands 10, middle, 10 miles offshore. Ray went across the harbor in his rowboat every winter to get his mail and supplies. The waves would often splash into the boat and his hands would freeze to the oars. The Monhegan residents always kept an eye out for him and were there to help if he needed them. Ray was a hardy old man in his mid-80s when he crossed in a storm and then slipped on the rocks while getting out of his boat. He was completely drenched, frozen, and insisted on staying in his cottage. 
you got to keep in mind too his cottage didn't have proper insulation it had a stove that was either heated by coal or wood or a combination of the two no electricity no running water uh, and he let the sheep sleep inside his cottage uh, for warmth as uh, much as anything else but after this incident where he slipped on the rocks and uh, fell during a storm uh, he got sick he wasn't feeling well coughing a lot and he said he didn't think he'd see spring his friends on monhegan didn't want to leave him alone on the other side of the harbor but old ray convinced them he'd be all right in his home he would put the kerosene lamp in his window each night to let them know he said if it ever goes dark then you'll know i need help the light of the old kerosene lamp blazed across the waves in the harbor each night for two and a half weeks then there was darkness the kerosene lamp went out sadly in 1975 in his 86th year it was the winter that he didn't survive 86 years old living in those conditions and the winter time being very isolated over on that little island and the few people that did live on monhegan year-round did care about him and they had that system of the kerosene lamp ray if that good lamp goes out or ray told them if the lamp goes out you know something's wrong indeed something was wrong so it was just a few hours before they rode over to the island and uh, discovered his body the lesson here if you choose to be alone keep your metaphorical kerosene lamp lit before i end this episode i leave you with one of my journal writings i've been keeping journals for years uh they're most of them are handwritten and a lot of them don't make sense some of them you won't even be able to read because my handwriting is uh, terrible but it's a way it's therapeutic uh, as it just allows it's just another way of me just getting my thoughts kind of out there i go back and read them every once in a while because it's a reminder of how far i have come typically i journal when i'm really 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 depressed but not always and anyway i share with you this i want to let you know but likely will never tell you this when we were walking beside the harbor there was a moment i looked over to you what i saw made my heart stop for a bit you with your amazing smile the background of the water your hair moving back with the breeze i certainly don't remember every walk i have ever been on the ones I do remember typically have moments of ah. Oh. I'll always remember this walk as your beauty was so encapsulated in that moment. This moment, one that indeed was one of ah. Oh. You move me in so many ways. Should I let you know this? Some would say I should, but I probably won't. A few nights later, I stepped outside with the dog and noticed how beautiful the moon was. It wasn't full, but close. Was it full the night before? Or will it be full the next night? Who knows? It doesn't matter. What does matter is how beautiful the moon looks on this particular night, where the new season feels like it is definitely here to stay for a while. <laughs> 
All of this I want to share with you, and I get this short burst of desire wishing I could do so at that moment. I could message you, but, you know, it's not the same. I imagine your face in the moonlight, and I know you would smile. You'd say how beautiful the night is, and we could discuss whether the the moon being full was or is coming. Then we could walk into the house and continue our words while sitting on the couch. You are still smiling and occasionally provide the laugh that you have. That laugh. I think about that laugh days after the last time I saw you. You indeed moved me in so many ways. Should I let you know this? Some would say I should, but I probably won't. Thank you for listening. And uh, I appreciate all the feedback that people are giving me on social media. Keep that coming. Feel free to share the show. And until next time, I love you all. Take care now.